A number of years ago, I was being interviewed by a TV channel about the economic impacts of a major hurricane then churning in the Gulf of Mexico and projected to head for the U.S. Just before the show went on air, as I was straightening out my tie and doing some sound checks, the producer starts talking to me through the earpiece. We don't know much time, so we'd like you to focus on a worst-case scenario for the economy. I felt like asking, when do you ever have time for anything else? I suppose I could have argued the point, but it would have been a waste of time. Commercial interests dictate that the public must always be shocked or scared out of their complacency, and so the worst-case scenario will always get the top billing. So it is with the latest twist in the tariff story which was the President's threat on Thursday to impose tariffs on all Mexican goods starting at 5% on June 10th, ratcheting up to 25% by October 1st, unless Mexico takes action to dramatically reduce or eliminate the number of illegal aliens crossing its territory into the United States. This threat, following the breakdown of trade talks with China, had a particularly negative impact on global stock markets, with the S&P 500 falling 1.3% for the day to cap off a miserable month. It's very tempting for an economist to build a worst-case scenario around tariff threats because tariffs are the very worst of economic policies. The vast majority of economists would compile something like the following list of their ill effects. First, U.S. tariffs are a tax on U.S. consumers as they are forced to pay higher prices. The price increase will generally be lower than the tariff itself as producers may eat some of the extra cost. However, assuming the competition is already strong among producers, most of the cost will be borne by consumers. Second, tariffs invite retaliation, and that retaliation hurts U.S. export businesses and farmers. Third, tariffs make economies less efficient by forcing them to devote resources to areas where they have no comparative advantage. The U.S. is likely a better place to develop new pharmaceuticals than to make shirts, but tariffs on both sides make us do less of the former and more of the latter. Over time, they also prevent the growth that comes from accessing foreign markets and encourage corruption as firms curry favour from the government for exemptions and smuggling increases. Fourth, tariffs, particularly when met by retaliatory tariffs, don't actually fix trade deficits, which are largely caused by our unwillingness to control our federal budget deficit and a policy of encouraging a high US dollar exchange rate. Finally, and worst of all, a constant war of tariffs and tariff threats makes it very difficult for firms to plan and thus tends to diminish investment spending. Having said this, it would be easy to be drawn into a prediction of a worst-case scenario. Under such a scenario, the U.S. would follow through with tariffs of 25% on all Chinese and Mexican goods, leaving the U.S. with by far the highest tariff rates among all major economies. These tariffs would be met by retaliation from other countries. The continuing trade war would badly damage trade, investment spending, and consumer confidence. The Fed would respond by cutting interest rates in the second half of the year. However, that cut would not restore confidence, and the economy would fall into recession. A best-case scenario would be one in which the U.S. quickly signs agreements with both China and Mexico and tariffs are permanently taken off the table as an economic threat. The administration embraces a lower dollar policy and tries to cut the budget deficit as a way to reduce our trade deficit, and the economy, after faltering in the second quarter, rebounds to growth of more than 2% over the next few years. A middle-case scenario recognizes that the administration is sensitive to the behavior of the economy and the stock market and would tend to calibrate its statements and actions on trade to that reality. Manufacturing and services PMI data released around the world this week will likely show continued softening of the global economy, as will a decline in both U.S. imports and exports in this week's international trade report. While jobs numbers due out on Friday should continue to look strong, employment is a lagging indicator, 
and second quarter real GDP growth may fall below 1% due to declines in inventory and trade numbers. In this scenario, the administration reaches compromise agreements with China and Mexico. These compromises would not remove already imposed tariffs or the threat of future tariffs. However, because of already low interest rates throughout the developed world and a lack of excess in the cyclical sectors of the economy, the economy settles back into an uninspiring but still steady 1.5 to 2% growth pace. While this does not ignite a new stock market surge, moderate valuations, moderate growth and low interest rates are enough to prevent a further sharp decline in markets. In this scenario, investors gradually move into a wait-and-see mode in front of the next U.S. election, which could result in a change in U.S. trade policy. In that wait-and-see mode, investors are neither particularly aggressive nor defensive, but rather focus on those areas, such as international stocks and financial stocks domestically, that appear to represent the best long-term value. A middle path is by almost by definition the most likely, and while long-term investors can hedge against a worst-case scenario and speculate on a best-case scenario, they should mainly invest on a middle-case scenario. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only. And as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management unless otherwise stated as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.